Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. The first all-female terror cell in the UK. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carroll, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, we're all, there's all this women's power thing going around, but this is taking it to a very dangerous, violent, and unfortunate level. Yes, this is the first all-female terror cell in the UK that has been trapped, caught, um, before they actually were able to commit a terror attack, but they were so close that it is really scary. First of all, what's interesting about this, this uh, story, I mean, you know, besides, besides that they caught these women terrorists and the fact that women are forming these terror cells, um, not just being um, attracted by terrorist guys over the internet, to come to the Middle East or to commit an attack somewhere. Uh, but this is, this is presumably, this is probably uh, the beginning of this trend. You know, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about a family in Indonesia, um, you know, uh, parents and children in Indonesia, who that, that was starting a new trend there. They were committing terror attacks as families. Well, here we have women. Now, what's interesting is that these women were in the same family. It's two daughters and one mother. And I'll talk about, you know, as, as a psychiatrist, what's interesting to me is, well, with all of these terrorists, I put the terrorists on the couch, terrorists who have committed various attacks and analyze them, get inside their head. Today, I'm gonna to be getting inside the head of these uh, three women particularly the main woman, the, a daughter, the youngest daughter, um, who really was the key, well, you could kind of argue, in a way it was her mother that was, that was the key uh, or that started this, but, um, but the daughter went the furthest. So let me, let me tell you about this. Um, first of all, the girl's name is Safa Bular. She's 18 now. But she has been on her journey to becoming a terrorist since she was around 14. Um, she, what, the, why it's news now is because she was just found guilty of a museum terror plot in London. In other words, she was going to, she and her sister and mother and her boyfriend, there was a man, there's always a man, <laughs> You know, it's uh, when you talk about that, it is, it was the first all-female cell in a sense, because they were all, these three women were in the UK, but there was a man, a, a UK, a British man who was in Syria, who actually, um, what, put the energy into this, into this um, family, into this, particularly this one girl, Safa Bular. Um, who he seduced over the internet. Uh, and 
and they were planning on having an attack, uh, an explosive attack um, on the British Museum. But I, before, but that never happened, as you know. But before I get into that, let me tell you, so, so why it's news is, uh, she was found guilty of plotting this attack on the British Museum, that this just happened. Um, she is Britain's youngest convicted female Islamic State terrorist. She was convicted. She was found guilty of two offenses of preparation of terrorism acts. And she was also found guilty over an earlier attempt to travel to Syria to commit terrorism. So um, her sister, uh, Riz Lane, is 22, her older sister. She was involved as well. She and her mother, well, she was involved in a separate plot with their mother, um, Mina Ditch, who's 44. And they were, they were actually all going to attack the British Museum, but Safa, the 18-year-old, was arrested. And when she was in jail, her older sister and mother uh, continued to plan a, uh, an attack, a knife attack. So in London. So in around six weeks from now, um, the youngest daughter, Safar, is going to be sentenced. And um, during her trial, they, uh, her, the jury heard about how when she was 17, she and this, her boyfriend, well, actually, she married him, not legally, necessarily, per se, but um, she married this man over the internet. And they were plotting a gun and grenade attack at the British Museum. Now, um, the two sisters and the mother would discuss their terrorist plans using code with uh, Alice in Wonderland terms, like they talked about having a tea party, that was the attack. And Rees Lane, the older sister, was the Mad Hatter. <laughs> One could say they were all Mad Hatters, actually. Um, now, what's interesting is that um, what, what radicalized um, Safar, what, well, you know, as I said, she started heading in this direction um, when she was younger. But one of the key things along the way was the November 2015 Paris terror attacks. She became obsessed with that. And then later on, um, she met an ISIS fighter, Naweed Hussein, on Instagram. And after three months of chatting, she declared her love for him and then had an online marriage ceremony. This guy, these guys don't waste any time. Uh, she had wanted to join him in Syria, but the British security services uh, found out, you know, discovered them discovered their online communications, and um, she, they took away her passport. So that was kind of the end of that in terms of her going to Syria. Um, you know, they, they had um, security services pose as uh, Islamist terrorists online and talked to the two of them, you know, pretending that they wanted to be involved with the attack as well. So, um, so let me, let me go back. Now, as I was saying, the, um, the older sister and her mother planned on uh, carrying out a knife attack after the younger sister was in jail. 
the um, older sister and mother wanted to continue their plans for an attack. They did reconnaissance of major landmarks in Westminster, and they bought knives and a rucksack, a, a, a backpack. Um, they were arrested in April, and um, they, they were, as all this was going on, there were social services involved, and social services said, as a family unit, they were pretty dysfunctional. So let's look back. How did they get this way? This is uh, what I was trying to say. As a psychiatrist, this is what interests me. How, what sets um, a London teenager or child originally on the path to becoming a terrorist to the point of plot marrying a, an ISIS terrorist, you know, over the internet, wanting to go to Syria to be his bride, um, and pl plotting an attack on the British Museum? Um, it all started when um, their parents, the, the, their parents were Moroccan French. And when Safa, the young sister, was six years old, her parents divorced. Now that is, whether it's uh, terrorists or other violent people um, who commit attacks, um, the, a, a parental divorce is usually found. That is often the beginning of dysfunction. Well, certainly, I mean, or you could say the dysfunction came before the divorce, but in any case, for the child, the divorce, uh, feeling adrift by the divorce and all of the, um, the acrimony that precedes that and during that really, uh, is a strong precipitator of later violence, later bad behavior, later problems, even, even suicide, um, you know, unrelated to, to ISIS. So um, although she supposedly maintained a good relationship with her father, um, she, and she, she apparently had a better relationship with him than her mother, because during, she, she claims that her mother was violent and vindictive. Of course, she's claiming this now during her current recent trial, um, not during the time that she and her mother and older sister were plotting these terror attacks. Then they were thick as thieves. Um, but she, in her, during her trial, the younger sister talked about how their mother would throw mugs, she would spit, and the next day she would act as if nothing had happened and say she loved her children deeply. Now, the family hadn't been religious originally, but as the children were growing up, the mother and presumably after the divorce, or perhaps it was before the divorce, and this was part of what caused the divorce, but the mother began to adopt a highly uh, conservative interpretation of Islam. And she got this, it wasn't really from any, um, any uh, uh, direct um, study, but more from what she found online. You've heard of girl power, woman power. Well, <laughs> it's now uh, hitting the terrorist circuit. There's a, an all-female terror cell in the UK that was recently arrested, and the younger sister has just been found guilty of plotting a terror attack and, um, and uh, other charges. 
So I'm, I'm, I've started to tell you about how this all began, how, you know, how two daughters and a mother, they look very sweet in their pictures. You would not take them for terrorists. Of course, I'm looking at a picture from their younger days, but still, um, it, it, and, and as I was starting to say, it all started really when uh, the parents got divorced when the um, youngest daughter, the one who was just found guilty, Safa, uh, was six years old. So her mother was getting more and more religious and it was from what she found online. It wasn't like any um, specific kind of direct kind of uh, tutoring. I mean, except for what you find online. Um, now, what's interesting is what sometimes happens when parents get divorced and it's a mother with a daughter or daughters uh, left, then um, the mother will sometimes, as the daughters are getting older, the mother becomes particularly jealous that the daughters are talking to boys, are dating boys, uh, and so on. And that was a part of what was happening here. Uh, because, you know, the mother had become more and more religious, and then she started lecturing her daughters about covering themselves up. And then when she found the older sister, Reese Lane, uh, at 16 years old, talking to a man online and wearing Western clothes and makeup, the mother was furious. And she assaulted her daughter and Reese Lane, and uh, who then ran away. So she was rather violent, abusive with her daughters. The mother was, the, daughter, the mother was angry, um, a very angry woman. And so then next, Safa, when she started speaking to boys from her school on her phone, her mother was also appalled. She took away the phone and she made her wear even more conservative Islamic clothes. So, um, Eventually, um, Riz Lane, who had run away but was then caught, actually, she didn't get very far. Well, actually, no, at one, she, at one time she didn't get very far, but at another time she did. Uh, I'll tell you about that. Meanwhile, Safar, at 14, was diagnosed with diabetes, and she required a lifetime of insulin injections. And originally, when she first was diagnosed, she was happy because she said, I got all the attention from my mom that I needed. She treated me like a little princess. But then after a month, the mother left her on her own to take care of her diabetes. And, um, and she stopped getting all of that attention. She was repeatedly admitted to the hospital, the younger daughter. And um, home was, was a horrible place. It was all about religious lectures, not very much caretaking as a parent. Um, she made her daughter fast, even though that's like a horrible thing for a diabetic to do. And so in 2014, Safa ran away. She left a note saying, this home is not the right place for me. But she was found, it was Safa who was found in a local park so she didn't get very far. But then um, Reese Lane, the older sister in 2014, tried to run away to Syria. And Safa called the police on her older sister. 
uh, also the older brother called the police and they told them about the sister running away and Rieslaine, the older sister, was eventually found and returned from Istanbul. She got to Istanbul. So um, then it turns out later when she came back, when Rieslaine came back to the UK, her mother married her off to a man that the sister had known for only five days. They had a child and then they split. So perhaps they, the man paid the mother. Um, it's not, clearly the mother has ser serious psychological problems. Um, so then, then, um, then Safak sort of calmed down and things were, had gotten a little better, the younger sister. But then the November 2015 Paris attacks occurred and she became obsessed with them. She wanted to know more about the Islamic State in Syria. She wanted to know whether she was under a duty as a Muslim to help it because her mother had been lecturing her for years about being a good Muslim. And she made contact online with a woman rec recruiter in Raqqa and she made hundreds of new friends online. She said, it was special, it was exciting. I was not allowed to go out with my friends from school, so to have these friends was exciting. So in other words, because the mother was, um, was not letting her go, you know, have friends in, in real life at home, um, having these you know, very romantic, special, different friends on the internet, uh, who of course were very interested in communicating with her, uh, was very exciting. Now, one of the people that she communicated with was a man named Naweed Hussein. He was about twice her age, and he was from the UK, and he had gone to Syria in 2015. They never actually met in person, but they had an online romance. He would send her images of, of life in Raqqa that made it look like it was a wonderful place. He didn't send her any pictures of the war except for uh, images of himself standing next to a publicly executed prisoner. He sent images of himself with weapons and so on, things to make him look more masculine, um, you know, more attractive. And he was doing this actually not just to her, although presumably she thought it was just to her, but he was doing this to groom and attract and recruit other, lots of young women. So um, she was chatting with him for up to 12 hours a day. I mean, I guess <laughs> that left, left less time for him to be with other women, but to chat with other women. Um, she said, he was very caring, very sweet, very flattering. It was the first time that I had received this kind of attention from a male. Now think about it. Her, her parents are divorced. Her she's living with her mother and her sister. Her father, you know, we don't know how much, uh, where he was, how much attention he still gave her after the divorce and so on. And here was this man, like a father figure, but also very romantic and sexy looking, you know, with his guns, his phallic symbols and all of that. And here she is not being allowed to date or even talk to boys in her school and feeling, um, you know, having diabetes, feeling unattractive. Uh, and, and here's this Romeo who comes into her life. So in 
2016, she stayed, she made a visit to Morocco to stay at her grandfather's home. And during this time, these couple of weeks, she had more time to spend in conversation with this Hussein. Uh, he would write her messages like, I love you, I miss you loads, just to touch you, to make sure you are real, and I ain't dreaming. And she would write back, yeah, me too. They blew each other kisses. They promised they would meet in Syria, and, and listen to this, and blow each other up in the face of the enemy. Uh, he sent her a picture of him in a, with a bomb belt, wearing a bomb belt. And he wrote, um, belts are a must, even with you. Don't even be hesitant to pull the pin, okay? Your honor is worth more than any Kathir's life, any non-believer. And she wrote back, does the pin make me go? And then she sent a, an emoji, an explosion emoji. I mean, <laughs> you know, like they're having, sending emojis back and forth. This is all, this is all fun and games, except that both of them actually did mean it. Um, she, at her trial, though, she tried to say that, that they were just joking around and so on, but clearly uh, they were, he was not. And um, then they had a secret ceremony on a messaging app, and there were two witnesses, an Islamic State sheikh and a guardian, uh, you know, that came together to make it a semi-official or supposedly official wedding. Um, so I was talking about how uh, Safa, the youngest daughter, married um, an Islamic terrorist online. And then uh, during the time that she was visiting her grandfather in Morocco, and when she returned to the UK, um, she, the, the security services already had her on their radar. So when she returned, she was questioned. And they took away her phone and her passport. And she confessed to talking to her boyfriend or her husband now, uh, Naweed Hussein, and her plan to go to Syria. She didn't tell them that they were married. Um, but this made the investigators in London, MI5, take a closer look at Hussein and become, pretend to be, you know, get online and start chatting with him, pretending to be terrorists themselves who were interested in accompanying him on some terror attacks. So they were, because they were trying to get as much as information as possible out of him. So um, he, you know, they chatted back and forth. He gave them some information. In the end, <laughs> they killed him. Uh, and... And when, um, oh, and, and but before they killed him, uh, Hussein, when, when Safa, the, little, the young daughter, um, told him that they had taken away her passport and she could no longer reach Syria, he suggested that she had make an attack in the UK instead. So this is how it went. So instead of joining him, they've got married. She was going to go to Syria and join him there and commit terror attacks. But when he, when she, her passport was taken away, um, he was then counseling her to attack some spots, particularly the British Museum in London. So um, <laughs> he referred to grenades as pineapples. Uh, they had all these code words. 
And um, they told her, so after the, after the, um, the authorities, the British authorities got enough information from um, Hussein and were concerned that he was gonna be committing attacks imminently, uh, they killed him. And it hasn't been officially confirmed as to how he died, but we know that he, you know, um, they think it was a quickly organized US drone strike. But in any case, they know he he's dead because they got a picture of his corpse. And they showed this picture at Safa's trial. Now also, in the meantime, an MI5 uh, undercover officer called Safa directly at, right after he was killed. And he said, um, he told her that he knew him. And he said, sister, I must give you wonderful news that Abu Usama, which was um, uh, Hussein's other name, was made shaheed, meaning martyred. May Allah accept him to heaven. We celebrate this journey, but God willing, I will have a duty to take care of his work. That includes you and the plans you were working hard on together. So they're telling her he died. He's a martyr. It's wonderful news, but um, he's going to, he wants to help her uh, continue the plans that they were working on together. Uh, now, in the meantime, they bugged the family home, Safa's family home. And so they heard that when she, when she heard that her husband was dead, she broke down crying and her mother was constantly shouting, God is great, God is great. Now, by this time, she had already confessed her relationship with him to her mother, who just thought it was wonderful. <laughs> um, and in fact, her mother was calling Naweed Hussein son. And then her sister said to her, listen, it's what you wanted. Um, he's waiting for you, you know, the, the, he got to be martyred and now you wanted to be martyred and now he's waiting for you. Um, so after that, uh, she got arrested because she continued with her plans and she got arrested and uh, for preparing an act of terrorism, she was put into jail and her phone calls home, if this wasn't enough, she would call home and talk, continue. She was still interested in, in uh, committing an attack just because she was arrested and in jail, didn't, it didn't stop her. And so um, she would have phone calls to her mother and her sister. In one uh, call, she was asking her mother whether the police had found a particular pillow where she hid her secret phone. And uh, it was a smiley face pillow. And her mother said, yes, they had, uh, pol the police had taken it away. And um, she began to sob. The mother didn't quite understand what was in the pillow. But anyway, then she asked her mother, can I have my teddy bear and the Quran? I mean, this is really basically still a little girl with all of these um, crazy ideas that have been implanted into her head. So um, from jail, she kept encouraging her sister and her mother to complete the mission of um, cre creating some kind of terror attack. So she would refer or they would refer to the attack as a tea party and cakes as the method. And then um, her sister said, and this was played in court, 
yeah, it's going to be like me, like, and a few sisters and stuff, and we're just like a tea party. And Safa said, sisters, what sisters do you know, though? Like, who's good at preparing cakes, you know, the weapons? And um, Rizlan said, it's going to be on Thursday. We're going to have this party. And Safa said, this Thursday? You serious? Mate, you guys are partying without me. So um, needless to say, uh, this got the police to arrest the older sister and the mother. Now, they had been following them and they saw they had this, uh, they had them on tape um, and they had video of the mother and older sister buying new kitchen knives and they threw all but the largest ones away. And um, then the sister was, the older sister was telling a friend, uh, if I see a group of men together, then I won't be able to deal with it. If it's two women, I will, I will. So imagine that, you know, then she, she willing even to, to uh, knife women, uh, but afraid of, you know, I guess she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to be strong enough to uh, commit uh, to kill the men. Um, police, uh, the police said that they didn't, weren't able to identify any, quote, controlling mind, unquote, in the family. In other words, no ringleader. Um, but, and because sometimes the mother would show herself to the authorities as a concerned parent. For example, when she first learned about Safa's plan to go to Syria, she was furious and assaulted her. So her mother was, you know, well, she was furious that she was gonna to leave to go to, to go to Syria. She wanted her under her control in the UK. Um, now, interestingly, uh, the, when, when Safa was in jail, she was able to be out of her mother's spell and out of uh, her boyfriend's spell, her husband's spell. And she became um, more successfully uh, de-radicalized. But, but in the meantime, um, her, her mother had been, even when she was 14 years old, at least as far back as when she was 14 years old, her mother showed her a YouTube video called A Message from Satan. And Safa told the jury that this had been a key step in her transformation. Quote, I wanted to be more religious because I was scared of hell, unquote. So in other words, Safa was really a, um, was really vulnerable to all of the impact, all of the influence of her mother, a very abusive uh, woman, who she was kind of apparently adrift with, even though, you know, at one point they said she was closer with her father. Her father was, you know, wasn't really saving her from all of this abuse by her mother. And then, as I was saying earlier, she was, you know, um, extremely vulnerable to this uh, ISIS soldier who was paying her a lot of attention, telling her that he loved her and all of that. Um, but what was interesting is when she was in the prison, you know, typically in prison, people get radicalized. But in this case, Safa said, since coming to Midway Prison while awaiting trial, it has given me a chance to speak to people from different backgrounds, boys, people of different faiths and cultures. I am picking up what I can to be the best person I can be rather than getting it from a book, you know, getting 
learning from her mother and, and um, the ISIS soldier. Uh, so she has really been responding positively to radical de-radicalization. But the jury still found her guilty of these crimes. Um, her defense was that she had been manipulated and used by a fighter, abused by her mother, and misled by her troubled older sister. The older sister was not innocent in all of this either. Um, they tried to say, her defense tried to say, that she had been let down by investigators who could have extracted her earlier, which is true. But the jury was less influenced by that and instead saw someone, a teenager, who was active in taking steps to go to Syria to support an ISIS fighter, who admitted in her messages that she wanted to attack the UK, and then after she was in jail, still encouraged her sister and mother to carry on an attack. So her goose was cooked, basically. And um, it's really a very sad story because had the parents not gotten divorced, she wouldn't have been under the complete influence of her mother. Had she been able to break free from her mother when social services got involved uh, and should have taken her, to uh, live with another family, gotten her out of the torture of her mother, um, this wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have been so vulnerable and so influenced. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.